0: Hey everyone, my name is Nick Elston. I'm an inspirational speaker on the lived experience of mental health and a transformational speaking coach. I'm very sorry that I could not be here live today for today's session for the amazing event. I love the work they do. However, I hope this recorded session will give you the value and engagement that you would have received. Plus, I will give you a place to reach me right at the end if you do have any questions about today's subject. Um, But everything that I do as a speaker, as a coach, is around this concept of forging people, using people's adversities and challenges that... Would define us negatively for the rest of our days, and using that energy, harnessing that energy to act as a catalyst to go forward. And I love that from adversity to excitement. That's kind of everything that I'm about and what I try to help other people with as well. Um, and over the past 18 months of boy, we've with with uh, we've experienced those adversities and challenges. It's been a crazy, crazy period. As we go back into the new normal, I want to share. Not only what I've experienced in working in the space over the past 18 months, but also how we can go forward too, and how we can have the foundations in place to give yourself every single chance of being smarter, stronger and happier more successful every single day, whatever those subjective terms really mean to you. So it's a little bit of background on me. I work with the BBC, I work with Sky, global media outlets, delivering that lived experience angle of mental health uh, into that kind of conversation Um, alongside kind of psychologists and GPs and people that actually know what they're doing. I'm not solution focused working in the mental health space. Uh, My role is to drive engagement. I work with some of the world's leading organizations uh, to help drive engagement in their mental health and well-being initiatives. Uh, So everything I do is from that lived experience angle. I'm a mental health first aid and a champion for lots of different mental health organizations, I write and for lots of different publications and magazines and articles, and I deliver my stuff globally. So it gives me a real 4D perspective, even pre-pandemic, travelling the world speaking about this stuff. It gives me a real good insight into where we are at any one given time. And again, I do work with some of the world's leading organisations. Uh, Harvey Nix, posh lad. <laughs> You wouldn't have thought it. Um, <laughs> also the host creator of KFC TV, their well-being TV channel. Uh, yeah, I was built for that stuff. Six foot four, 20 odd stone to host a fried chicken TV station. I was built for that stuff, genuinely. It was living the dream, as they say. Um, I want to share a little bit about my background. I think context is, is huge. Context is really, really important. Um, and it's when people lose context that relationships break down and governments fall and everything else. We need to truly understand where somebody is coming from when they're delivering any form of message to us uh, and this is mine this isn't an x-factor sob story Coldplay. I'm going to walk in and play fix you in the background because um, we kind of feel that broken people come from broken environments and that can absolutely be true but also it could absolutely not be true as well you can have the right environment for success however stuff can still happen along the way and my stuff was obsessive compulsive disorder in my childhood Uh, If you're not familiar with OCD, um, it's much trivialised due to things like Channel 4's OCD cleaners or that kind of people saying, I'm a little bit OCD. doesn't kind of work that way. It's a very painful, frustrating condition. Um, And because it wasn't treated as successfully as it would do today, uh, I'm 43 now. Don't judge. I've had a hard life. Uh, So back in the day, the treatment for OCD was just eight weeks of talking therapy. Now, I love talking therapy. I think it's a very, very powerful tool. However, not as a fix for obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, And actually, I still use talking therapy. The reason why the guys would never be able to book me on a Friday afternoon is because that's when I have my weekly counseling and therapy session. I still use it as a proactive tool to make sure that my mental health stays positive. I think we really need to make a difference. and draw a line actually between mental illness and mental health. Mental illness absolutely needs to be professionally treated, but mental health, we all have. People will say to me, Nick, I have mental health. Yeah, absolutely you do. 100% of us do. Whether it's good or bad, that's a whole different thing. So I like to consider mental health and muscle something that we can exercise and nurture, take care of and look after every single day to give ourselves the best chance of fighting fit. And for me, counselling forms a big part of that. But as I said, it wasn't that kind of fix for for OCD. So as I went into my kind of teen life, into my young adulthood, uh, it morphed into something called generalised anxiety disorder, which is where you live and operate at high anxiety, high nervous energy. Um, And here's the thing. As a speaker about the lived experience angle of this stuff, I can say things that solution-focused people may not say because actually that's my responsibility, is to give you the reality. I've been described as a big man, big heart, Big story, brutal honesty. Here's the brutal honesty. You can be very successful running on high anxiety, but you can only run for so long until you stop. And therein lies the problem. So through education, which actually is a brutal environment, going to school as a young adult with mental illness and mental health challenges for sure. My way of dealing with that, of coping with that, was to be everything to everyone. I was in every click and every group. Uh, people. I learned very early on that people-pleasing was a fantastically effective mechanism, utterly destructive but fantastically effective. And it's an interesting time of our lives at that period anyway because I talk a lot about conditioning. Now conditioning is where we kind of look at our kind of biggest challenges in adult life and we kind of look at the, the formative years around that and most of it can be traced back to that time. So my three biggest challenges in adult life have been anxiety it's kind of why I'm here speaking to you today but I come from a very anxious family it's the way they react to things in that sense that it wasn't done with any cruelty or intent it's just the way it was so that's how I learned how to react to things um, the second so it's kind of like a learned behavior the second thing is around uh, body image and being big now as I said I'm six foot four 20 odd stone guy I ain't small however my association especially as a man with being big is that big is good big is strong Um, reinforced by uh, some of my closest relationships with my grandparents, as much as I love them and miss them every day of my life, would say to me, he's a big lad, he loves his food. I am a big lad, I love my food. So I'm kind of screwed really because when I look to address that, lose weight or kind of tone up whatever that might be, that's really played a bigger factor. But it's interesting, I throw this into the mix that sometimes our biggest challenges can be wrapped up as a comfort blanket. And the third thing uh, is to uh, make sure that I avoid things like alcohol and gambling and things that obsessive traits will actually not be a really good mix with. Um, alcohol was an interesting one. I don't drink alcohol anymore. In fact, I didn't realise alcohol was a problem uh, until I stopped. Um, that in March 2019, so fairly recently, so well into my kind of journey, I guess, um, that I was rushed into uh, Bristol Hospital, Southmead Hospital in Bristol, uh, I lived just north of Bristol, and uh, with a mega high blood pressure, it was crazy high. And the doctor said to me, Mr. Elston, you've got a very big heart. Thank you very much, doctor. He said, no, it's not a good thing. Went, okay, turns out I have this hereditary heart condition, and it's been running for a long time without even being recognised. So therefore, my blood pressure was just constantly going high. Um, the medication they put me on to correct that meant that I couldn't drink alcohol, nullify the impact of the alcohol. Now, I could go weeks without drinking. Uh, I wasn't a huge drinker in that sense. What I found was when I stopped, I realised the unhealthy associations I have with alcohol, And again, that can be traced back against my formative years. Now, um, that would be if I had a great day, I'd have a glass of wine or a pint of beer and I would have 10. So drinking with intent, an obsessive nature around drinking. If I had a, a bad day, I would do exactly the same. So it's interesting that that reward and punishment thing was, was absolutely the same uh, kind of action i guess um and it was only when i stopped that i realized actually how much of an effect that had on me so in terms of socializing and going out and my anxiety and sleeping and lots of different things so the reason i throw this into the mix today and it's a big subject of course i want to scoot along several subjects to leave you some food for thought some of your biggest challenges will absolutely go unchecked we have all the answers we'll ever need we just need to ask ourselves the right questions and then move the hell out of our own way Because everything in us will tell us to stand and fight. We'll get defensive when we start to break down that conditioning or ask ourselves these questions. One of the most powerful exercises you can do is to wake up tomorrow morning and question everything you say to yourself and everything that you do. Now, Everything you say, I'll come on to right at the end, your narrative. However, everything you do. So why do you wake up at this time? Could you do with more sleep or less sleep? Or is it because you've always done it that way? Why do you wake up next to them? It's a question you may not have asked yourself in a while. And I kind of throw that one in because it seems like a little bit of blue, but it's not. I throw that in because actually it's a great example of a question that we safeguard. It becomes a pure belief that that's what we do. But I believe that everything that we do and who we're with and everything else should be a choice. Every single day we choose to be in that relationship, in this situation, in this job, whatever that may be let's take reincarnation off a table here. If we go one go go one go round at this, we want to make sure as our go round. Now, for me, you may think kind of, where's he going with this? What's the link with mental health? But a link is this, like uh, sexuality or race or gender or lots of different things in life, um, mental health affects our sense of belonging. We don't feel that we can aspire to be any more. So we aspire to be any greater, any better than where we are right now. So actually what it does, it becomes a limiting belief it means that we do uh, say uh, yes to the people we want to say no to. We are more subservient to more dominant people, more dominant situations. So this is really, really interesting. That actually becomes just as much about personal development as it does about mental health. Now, that, that kind of ecosystem in school that I really uh, kind of developed worked so well, I took it into my corporate life. And for over a decade, I run at high anxiety, always in earlier than I needed to be, away later than I needed to be. Um, I was always, I was was in sales client facing roles. It's a really heady mix with anxiety, high anxiety in the sales role. Um, Constant paranoia about clients leaving you and clients paying and everything else. We've all been there, haven't we? Um, And I've done that for so long um, that over a decade I was running like that. And uh, I've been to a business networking meeting in 2012. It was outside of a Premier Inn in Somerset classy guy choose your breakdowns well if I knew I was talking about this stuff for a living now i would go with Hilton or someone more exclusive it is what it is but after that sustained period of burnout for over a decade I left that business networking meeting that morning and I got in the car and I broke down and that's where everything changed for me I lost hope or the hope of something better people think that breakdown is quite an angry pursuit an aggressive thing It's, it's really not it is frustration, it is painful. However, the worst thing is feeling absolutely nothing at all. To cut off feeling love, a cut off feeling hate. To cut off feeling bad, a cut off feeling good. You can't have one without the other. So you end up living in this self-contained numbness. You end up living in the structure that you created to protect yourself. And it was at that point I decided to use speaking as a way forward. I didn't intend that at the time. For Harry Potter fans in the room, it was like the bogger in the cupboard. Your biggest fear? What would it look like if all six foot four and twenty on stone of me stood up two weeks later at that same meeting? And I shared what had happened. That I couldn't leave that car for a few, two or three hours, and I did. I, I stood up. For me, it was going to be like death by police, blaze of glory, mic drop moment. I was going to say my bit, then off I went. But it changed everything for me. Three things happened on that morning. That first of all, everybody in that room queued up to give me their support. Secondly, everybody in that room queued up to give me a hug. I love hugs. I miss hugs. Been 20 or so in a hug in paragon missing in lockdown here. And the third thing that suddenly wasn't about me anymore, the dynamic had shifted. By me giving people the truth with capital T's, people started to share their stuff with me. People that sharing things they wouldn't tend to share with people. People that are known for years have been really open and I found that the truth is absolutely liberating. It builds a bridge of trust to our audience whether it's one person or many people and that's so important to recognize. Vulnerability is our absolute superpower but it's the one thing that we're truly afraid of. It also taught me that absolutely Everybody is waiting for permission to start. Everybody is kind of sitting on their own stuff without wanting to share it. So for me, I never wanted to be a solution-focused person in the mental health space. I wanted to be the person that helped to give people permission to engage with the solutions and the amazing stuff that are out there for people to engage with. That was the, the gap for me, was was giving people that motivation and inspiration to try and change. And the way that I I found that really helped was for other people that have gone through similar experiences, and you think, I can do that too. And that's why I started to do what I do. The rooms got bigger, the audiences got bigger, I started to travel the world doing this stuff, and the rest, as they say, is history. So over the past 18 months, uh, delivering to audiences, albeit virtually, is certainly not the same uh, I, I love that kind of tactile version of being in flow with your audience and riffing with your content. And it's the closest thing I ever get to euphoria. But what I found is that everybody is in one of these three kind of states of mind or these three places. But these three things are actually a step back from any challenge that you're experiencing right now. This challenge helped me back from my breakdown to acknowledge, survive, and evolve. This also helped me back as a business, as an entrepreneur, uh, that in March 2020, uh, all of my business was done in person, none of it was done online. And like many of you can uh, under, understand and appreciate, we've all had our challenges around that, that I, the business was wiped out overnight. The order book went um, and that was it for the next three or four months. Uh, there was just nothing uh, coming at all. And here's the problem, you see, that sometimes it's really difficult to accept where we are if we're in a position that we don't want to be in. So I'm going to use the business as an example, just to try and change gears a little bit on this at the moment, but I had to accept and acknowledge exactly where I was to be able to move on from that point. So even if you're in a position of pain or frustration, to fully accept and acknowledge exactly where you are, gives you momentum, gives you a little bit of a nudge forward. It is true that everything that we've ever said, everything that we've ever done, and one that we've ever been has led to exactly where we are right now. However, it's what you do next that counts. And it's when people are struggling with acceptance and acknowledgement that they really do, they cannot find that momentum to go forward. And through doing that, through acceptance, I can move into survival mode. Now, survival mode is the things that we need to survive, the things that we need to get by. So survival for me, look, how long can I last about the income was a great question. How long can I last about the heart medication was another good question because it was imported. I didn't know that be affected at the time. Or how long can I last about the toilet rolls, eggs and flour was also big on the list with Tesco at the time as well, I think. Um, but once we kind of established that, how long we could survive in a place that we don't want to be in, in a position that we don't want to be in, Suddenly, for those who are project-focused amongst you will recognise, once you have momentum and you have a timescale, you have the foundations of a goal, of a process. So when we establish those two things in any given point, we could then move on to evolution. Now, evolution was this, accepting that how we used to live, learn and work this time two years ago is very different to how we do that today. The reality is it's going to be very different, potentially, in another three months' time, another one-month time. So actually, this is about getting good with change. But change is the number one biggest anxiety trigger. When I speak to kind of with entry interviews with corporate clients, change is always the biggest anxiety trigger for their people. So therefore, change is inevitable. So it's about resilience It's about how do we build a playbook to bounce back every single day for every single challenge. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on today. And again, these are big big subjects but hopefully I'm touching on things that will inspire you to think and maybe inspire you to reach out to us questions too the next point is around boundaries and expectations I think is really crucial if it's true which is true how we live and learn and work has changed then your boundaries will need to change as well we cannot operate successfully in any sense playing by an old rule book So actually, this has been a great reset for a lot of people on how to shake things up. For example, 80% of my life was spent traveling before. So therefore, I've had 80% of my life back to reinvest in things like my self-care, to put in a new self-care process, to up my game in terms of exercise and fitness nutrition and everything else. So actually, the rules have changed. But even on a simple level, to use simple examples, I love simple examples, not a details guy. For example, if your email response time was pre-pandemic was eight hours and now, uh, sorry, four hours and now it's eight hours, fantastic. Your new boundary is your email response time is eight hours. But unless you communicate those boundaries to the people that it affects, to people around you, those expectations don't change from a mental health perspective that's the thing that we need to really do and sometimes if we're struggling with confidence or courage or conviction uh, it's really difficult sometimes to kind of put our own way forward to speak our mind to put an opinion forward however that's exactly what needs to be done we need to communicate our boundaries to the people that it affects otherwise the expectations do not change and if the expectations do not change the pressure the stress that you may experience Anybody that's faced deadlines or projects or anything like that will absolutely understand that. It's about clear communication, even if that communication can be uncomfortable sometimes. So set your boundaries for the new way, for the new way of living, but absolutely communicate those boundaries to create that positive change and to manage expectations. Assumptions. We cannot control the uncontrollable. The pursuit of doing so will only create extra anxiety. Trust me. We cannot control the pandemic, we cannot control other people, what they say, what they do. All we do have control over is how we proactively choose to go into each and every day, but therein lies the problem because the first thing we sacrifice when we struggle with our mental health is choice. But it's the only thing that we have. So we need to reclaim our choice. We need to focus on, actually if it's not about controlling what happens to us, stuff will happen to you. It's about how we bounce back. It's about building that playbook, having a a playbook of things that are available to you right now that will be unique to you, and we'll come on to that shortly, that you can put into play straight away to give yourself that chance of bouncing back faster and stronger and better every single time. But avoiding assumption is exactly where it's at. If you are stressed or anxious about something right now, ask yourself this question. Is it fact or is it the story that you're telling yourself? I also worked with schools, and a young lady said to me once, "What really makes her anxious is when she messages her friend, and a friend doesn't message her back. But that's not what makes her anxious. That's the transaction. What makes her anxious is the the narrative, how she's telling herself that she's I've I've offended them, they don't love me anymore, we've fallen out, that kind of thing. But that's speculation." And anybody who's watched Sky News on repeat for 24 hours through the pandemic will recognise that 99% is speculation, 1% is fact. At best, other news channels are available. However, it's important to recognise that thing that you're anxious about, that thing that you are stressed is it actually fact? Or is it your narrative? Is it the story that you're telling yourself? Because we are hardwired to look for danger. We're hardwired to look for fear. We will, by default, talk ourselves into a losing game. So if it is, we can change our narrative. We can work on that. We can change the way that we talk to ourselves and how we believe uh, have build a belief system around that. However, if it is fact, then we can deal with fact. We can reach out for help. We can confront that situation. We can have a conversation with that person, really get to the root of the matter a lot faster. People that have emailed or messaged somebody with a concern will understand that completely. It's constantly waiting for that response. We need to cut through that, get straight to the heart of the matter and avoiding assumption is an amazing way of doing that. So I like to call self-care recovery because for me it is. It's not the big recovery from kind of like heart attack or cancer or anything. It's, it's a small recovery, a small recovery with a small R, the thing that you should be doing every day. The, the reason why I burnt out, the reason why I was burning out for a long, long time was because of two things. I was masking my behaviour. I would try and be what people want to see in me. I will try and be what situations demanded of me, but I sure wouldn't damn show myself, because when I showed myself, my fear was, my false evidence appearing real, my fear was that I would be dismissed or judged or not loved, like we all do. It's why right public speaking is a greater fear than death, according to Harvard. We fear ridicule more than we do dying. It's crazy the conditioning we're fighting against. That was the first reason. So actually, if you find that in any given situation, you're just trying to mirror what the other person's doing or want to see from you, but you're never true to you, that really is a sign to look out for. The second thing is, if you checked your diary or your calendar now, is there a part of your day that's exclusively ring-fenced for you to rest, recover, and recharge so that you can go again strong tomorrow? And I bet you that there isn't. Let's take reincarnation off a table here, just in case. If we get one go-round of this, let's make it our go-round. Because we will fill up our work day with all our work stuff. And the last time I checked with the mortgage company, the the mortgage doesn't get paid on dreams and missions. So we absolutely need to do that. But then we give away the rest of our time to whoever shouts loudest. Why do we undervalue ourselves so much? We need to put half an hour a day into our diary. It's just for us. Ring fence it and protect it as if it were your biggest client or your best friend, because you absolutely should be. And when we do that, we give ourselves every single day that chance to rest and recover and recharge and you can go again strong tomorrow. So recovery looks different for different people. I'm not the guy to talk about nutrition. I'm not the guy to talk about exercise exercise. I muddle through my own way. However, what I do want to say is that anybody who has been in a fitness regime or a diet or a personal development journey will know it's sometimes it's big and hairy and scary. It's daunting. And most things that you read or watch or listen to make you feel that if you don't do everything this way, you're a rubbish human being because everyone wants you to do it their way. My way of doing this is very, very simple. Do something you love for half an hour a day, something that recharges you. And for me, that changes on a daily basis. That could be walk in in nature that could be the playstation that could be a movie whatever i need for that day to recharge myself but knowing i'm an introvert by definition so i recharge in my own company as much as i love what i do and i do love what i do i am an introvert so i need to recharge in my own company an extrovert would need the company of others to recharge so imagine you're a battery are you 10 out of 10 fully charged are you 1 out of 10 running on fumes check in with yourself every day because that will be the answer to your question if I know if I'm running below six or a five, I try not to take on as much as I can anything that's heavy or daunting, or because I know it's going to take a lot more energy to do that successfully. So try to match where, wherever you can what you're doing and how you're living and how you're working to your energy and how you feel. So it could be a lot more effective with our time. And try to form an emotional connection to things. Emotional connections are what really sees us through. If we can start to enjoy what we do, if we can build a positive routine, if we can build a playbook and really get emotionally connected to it, actually you end up missing that thing when you don't do it one day. I've got that that very much that way with walking. I love music. Music is a really strong driver for me, um, both in terms of at home, but also professionally before I go into stage and stadium events. There's always walk-on music that I I have playing as I go onto a stage. There's music that I listen to, playlists. Build a playlist of music which really motivates you so that you've got something on tap to lift you when you need it the most. And try to avoid that boom and bust mentality of any comeback. Uh, Marginal gains are, are absolutely where it's at. It's a sports coaching term, if you've not heard it. Uh, daily incremental consistent changes Uh, the Japanese have a term of kaizen which is an old American workplace methodology really really fascinating thing to read up on if we start to tweak the odds in our favor every single day we produce a bigger picture result with a fraction of the pain that it takes to to form those new habits neurologically it takes 21 to 28 days to start to form a new habit strong enough to replace your old conditioning and just remember that the power is always in the comeback right now, and it always has been. Really important to recognize this. This is XL London. It was the place where I did my first stage event. Five years before that event, I was being taken out of that same conference by St. John's Ambulance after having a panic attack. I was not in a good place at the time. I wasn't speaking, I was just walking around, trying to knit the goodie bags off the stands when the sales guys weren't looking. Don't judge, we've all been there. And when I think back now, that these venues that I now keynote at and I speak at of my own right, the difference between those two points in time, actually the biggest thing is narrative. As I said, we talk ourselves into a losing game. Tune into how you talk to yourself. I would go to these events and conferences and the amazing things that, that are on for us to go and visit and attend. And I would say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not thin enough. Uh, I could never do that. I could never speak. Certainly not on the main stage. All these things, we talk ourselves into a losing game and it reaffirms our belief, compounded by mental health and mental illness challenges. Again, it affects our sense of belonging. If we can change our narrative, we start to turn the ship around. We start to talk ourselves into a winning game. And that's the main difference because I could never do that, turn to I could do that, and it turns to I can do that, and then it turns to tomorrow, what I'm going to do now. The opening line that I did at the conference was this, and this goes against every speaking handbook that you'll ever read, but it works for me. I like to be honest with my audience. My opening line was this. I said, hey, everyone, this is nuts. I'm really anxious right now. Who the hell wouldn't be? I'm just about to bear my soul to 10,000 accountants. (laughs) And it did two things. Firstly, it got a laugh. Tough gig to get a laugh sometimes. But the second thing was it got everybody on my side. Essentially, despite what you read on the news, seeing the news, humans are good. They want you to succeed. They, They are on your side. And when you bring them in, you recognize that actually, unless you're showing the world your true self, how do you expect the world to engage with you? The power is always in the comeback. The saddest thing I ever see are people waiting for permission to step up, waiting for perfect to start. And especially when it comes to being held back by the conditioning behavior of mental health. And we need to start to reframe that, point ourselves in the right direction and know that you're never, ever done. And as I always do, I need to finish with a country music quote, because it's kind of my thing. Every storm runs out of rain. We need to know that right now. Every storm you've ever lived through and survived through has at least passed because you're here. Most of the time we thrive. Most of the time we learn and we evolve. We just don't see it at the time. I know people that have been through horrendous and brutal experiences, and maybe you are one of those people. Knowing that we can only play the hand that life deals us, knowing that we cannot turn back time, they've gone on to do amazing things, to raise awareness, change the world, deliver a message. Every storm will run out of rain. And if you don't need that message of hope right now, maybe it's somebody that comes to you that needs that message of hope. And I think that's the best thing we can do right now, is to really extend that. Have human to human conversations. Don't be afraid to show more of yourself to the world and start to truly live a life, run a business or have a career on your terms. And that's me. So thank you so much. Look, I know that's a lot to cover in half an hour. So any questions you have, please do reach out. It's nick at nickelston.com. I'm always happy to hear from you. Big thank you to the event world team for asking me along here today to to speak to you. Again, apologies it wasn't live, but hopefully it's been good enough to give you some inspiration and some insight for the day. You can check anything else out on nickelston.com and I hope to catch you very very soon. Take care, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.